0: Welcome to the Daily Standard podcast. It is November fifteenth, two thousand eighteen, and Washington D.C. is blanketed by a huge, what, blizzard of snow that w- that here in Wisconsin we would regard as Thursday. Uh, joining me, uh, David Byler of the Weekly Standard, and Andrew Egger. Thanks for uh, for joining me under these incredibly difficult circumstances. Although David, you're, you're you're not in D.C., right? I'm not. I'm in Los Angeles, so everything is sunny and warm. Well, Lee
1: yeah, yeah
0: we we don't have wildfire, so we have we have three time times. zones here. <laughs>
1: two pieces cup. of bad news about the about the snow today. One is that my wife, uh, who's a kindergarten teacher, is uh, her school is pretty much the only school in the entire area that has school today. Uh, most of them mm. uh, were 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 boring and chickened out, but for whatever reason, we soldiered on uh and uh, and the other piece of bad news is that it, the snow has already turned into freezing rain uh which it will remain for pretty much the duration of today so just about the worst weather you could possibly
0: imagine out here in the swamp uh Yeah and, uh, and you guys yeah. don't have the the equipment that we have at least we have stuff we're you know we we have we have you know salt trucks and okay. all the people <laughs> who can handle it well we have a lot of things to talk about today including um the uh the, the president back uh tweeting about the Mueller investigation uh, fascinating stories about uh, Facebook um, also, but, but, you know, I want to talk about the, the, the story of the day and, and something I'm, I'm a little be becoming a little bit obsessed about, Um uh, the, the federal judge is going to hand down this decision in the media case involving, um, CNN, what at three o'clock Eastern time today, this is a, a Trump appointed federal judge, which may or may not be, be relevant. Um, I don't think you have to be a huge Acosta fan to be really concerned about the, the precedent that this case will set. There's uh, an exchange in the court yesterday, where th- basically the question is: uh, So, could the White House exclude a reporter for any reason, just because they don't like what he writes or the kinds of questions he he asks? And the attorney for the White House, uh, Butley said, uh, "Yeah, you know, as a matter of law, the president can exclude anyone based for any reason whatsoever, content-based uh, discrimination." Um, if, if in fact, that's the way the judge rules, if the judge rules against CNN and the media in this particular case, it will have dramatic implications. This thing is going to uh, – I mean, obviously, this won't be the, the, the final court here. But, but, but again, it's always a sort of unfortunate what the specific case and the personalities of the people involved will be. But the long-term precedent for the White House power, particularly this White House – could be really troubling. Um, anyone want to weigh in on this? Yeah, I think that uh, that
1: just in in two ways, this is like a really interesting case, right? Because um, like legally, uh, we've we've got probably the best sort of test case for for this kind of a case that we could get, because you know Jim Acosta's. A, Opinions differ about him. I find him pretty odious. I think he's kind of you know he's a, he's a grandstander. He wastes time. He's annoying in the briefing room. Things like that. Um, but but obviously you know that that makes him a good test case for for you know should the White House be able to you know just give a guy a boot because he's odious and they don't like him. And so as a as a legal issue, it's a pretty good test case. Um, it's also you know that this sort of shows that one. Uh, thing that the Trump White House is really good at, one area where they excel, I think is is they they know uh, they know how to pick this kind of fight uh, and they they know exactly what the weak spots are to push on because there are a lot of people out there, I think, um, who, who, if it were just like some sort of random reporter for NBC or even CNN, um, they they would see this as as more of a sort of widespread free speech issue, more of a danger, more of a slippery slope. But but Acosta, just for the reasons I was just describing, has become right. such a sort of uh, villain to a lot of people on the right that 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 they're a lot more willing to be like, well, yeah, I mean, uh, he he sort of had this coming to him. He's he hasn't he hasn't been um, you know engaging in really like journalism when he's been doing the White House. Briefings. he's been, you know, doing all these other things. So I think I think it's an interesting test case, and I, I am interested to see how it it,
0: goes. it it is. And this is always the point of uh, of free speech advocates who have to defend the have to defend the free speech rights of the obnoxious, because if uh, if if uh, if you don't defend the free speech of obnoxious people, then, you know, who's next? And that that, that's my real concern about Mm -hmm. all of this. The other and and again, I'm not a lawyer and I said this yesterday, uh, but it is interesting that there is some precedent on this. A 1977 D.C. Circuit Court ruling that uh, that apparently rather clear and still controlling that the government cannot deny this hard pass arbitrarily or for less than compelling reasons. And the judge did say he'd be bound by that court decision. Um, and apparently the CNN lawyer uh, cited the case repeatedly. But this thing is going to uh, be huge. And But you're absolutely right. If uh, You know, this is one of those fights that uh, I'm sure that Donald Trump absolutely relishes. OK, let's just briefly talk about uh, Jeff Flake. Who did something uh, rather remarkable? The the Mueller investigation has just flared up in the in the last week, and I want to talk to you about that, uh, David. President uh, tweeting out, uh, going going after uh, Bob Mueller again, personally attacking him, talking about the inner workings of it. Um, And Jeff Flake and uh, Jeff Flake uh, yesterday tried to bring up legislation that's already been passed by the Senate Judiciary Committee that would protect the special prosecutor that was blocked by Mitch McConnell. And then Flake took to the floor of the Senate and said, "Okay." Um, until we get a vote on this, uh, I am not going to uh, vote to advance any of the uh, Trump judicial nominees that are in front of the Judiciary Committee, and I will not vote for any of the other judicial nominees that are on the floor of the Senate. And, you know, reaction to this falls along, uh, you know, predictable lines. So, you know, how do do you break down on all of this? Uh, Jeff Flake, basically, this is for Jeff, like this is the nuclear option, right? That he's been reluctant to use that, that incredible swing, swing vote power and using it on probably the one issue that unites Republicans and conservatives, which is the conservative judges. Is he doing the right thing?
2: Um, It's, it's an interesting question. I mean, I try not to take too many right slash wrong sort of views on what people are doing and, and why they're doing it. What I, will say is that it's uh, it's interesting from a strategic angle, because what you saw in the 2018 Senate elections was Republicans, you know, depending on the results of a couple outstanding things, the Mississippi Senate special of the Florida recount, basically either maintaining their 52 votes or getting up to 53 votes. And a number of the new Republican senators that are being cycled into that, you know, similarly sized majority are more Trump friendly than some of the outgoing senators. So uh, Flake is getting replaced by Cinema, who's of the opposite party, but you know, Corker in Tennessee is getting replaced by Blackburn. So this is kind of a time when uh, sort of the marginal Republican votes like Flake, like Collins, like Murkowski are going to have more power because in a few months, the sort of makeup of the Republican side of the Senate is going to Yeah, this different. won't
0: happen, yeah.
2: And, yeah, and the power is going to be greater. You know, like, uh, Republicans can afford to lose a Collins or lose a Murkowski and still have a majority on something, so— Really, from a from a strategic perspective, which is you know one of the lenses I try to I try to think about at Flakes, move is interesting, and I haven't been following this as much as um, Edgar and some of our other reporters. But I I almost wonder why he didn't try more of these sorts of things earlier because he right. announced that he was going to retire a while ago. He's had the ability to sort of. Well, and there's use been a lot of
0: frustration. And- sure. There's been a yeah. lot of frustration about that. Okay. It's like yeah, your, 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 resistance is you tweet or you give a really good speech or you write a book, but when it comes down to it, you don't actually use your, your leverage. And it really is sort of a, a, a contrast in, in, you know, how, you know, use, use of power, use of leverage and how ruthless you're willing to be. And, and I, I have to say, that uh, and I certainly understand the people who are going to be, you know, af- offended by Flake's move because of the the judges. But as you point out, look, those judges are going to get uh confirmed sooner or later. But this is, a, I think, and, and I'm I'm open to persuasion. But I think this is a good stand for Jeff Flake because you know this is about the rule of law. You know, if in fact the president moves to uh, shut down the Mueller investigation, we look back on this, and the big question will be why did no one take a stand. Why did no Senator step up and say, no, we're not going to allow you to do this. And if, in fact, judges are, you know important, it's because of this question of of the Constitution and of the rule of law and whether anyone is above the rule of law or whether or not the President's party will allow him to engage in obstruction of justice. So, you know, it's not a trivial issue. He is not taking the stand because uh, he didn't get enough uh, seats on Air Force One or something like that or was some personality thing. it It is a fundamentally important issue. And, the reality is, is that uh, Trump and the Trumpists like people who fight, you know, and 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 like you know uh, people who take the hard negotiating, uh, you know, stand. I mean, isn't isn't this sort of the essence of this that that uh, that I'm willing to hold ex uh, hostage and in, in in order to get what I want? And in this particular case, I think it is important enough. Now, Andrew, you have been following this Mueller investigation very very closely, and. Obviously, we have a series of events, this appointment of this uh, just bizarre hack, and we find out more about Whitaker every single day as acting attorney general uh, now in charge of, or at least in theory, in charge of the Mueller investigation and the president going off on, on, a, on a riff. So to give me your sense of, of uh, the state of play as of right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So real real quick, um, just to, to go off what you were saying before, yeah. I, I just want to say I, I totally agree. I actually just filed a piece uh, about this Flake stuff and the Mueller stuff that went live about 15 minutes ago, I think. But I, I think this is a really good pressure point for Flake to use because the, the issue for, for him uh, is that Mitch McConnell and the Senate majority... Uh, Leadership in in the Senate right now won't let this bill of flakes come to the floor for a vote. and if it did come to the floor for the uh, for a vote it, it would potentially have the votes to pass. it could it could it sure law. should yeah um, yeah because because it's you know there are a handful three, four five Republicans who are who are who have said it, that they're on board. even with. Lindsey Graham. Yeah, yeah um of, of all people right um and so and so I think this is a good like sort of procedural place uh to fight back against a procedural move from leadership he's not saying he's gonna you know start supporting you know democratic policies or vote for you know democratic bills or things like that he's just saying I'm going to cause procedural damage to you if you're going to cause procedural damage to this piece of legislation that I want so i I think that's good um and the other thing is that that, that it really highlights uh, and this is to sort of get to to your question before it highlights how goofy and uh and just sort of ridiculous the the senate majority leadership um stance on all this stuff has been which is that this bill which is that they 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 none of them are coming out and saying this is a bad bill or would would do bad things but they're saying this is an unnecessary bill because we have no we we have no reason to believe that president trump would be dumb enough to tamper <laughs> with the Mueller investigation which, really? which which in the past week i mean that was a silly talking point before the midterms but yeah. just since the midterms it's become such a ludicrous stance i mean what it's what, it's, what not, it's naive trump, with hair on it what I could mean, president trump possibly do or say to, to, to more strongly telegraph that his intention is to try to get Mueller off of his back. I mean, it's it's it, it's insane. I mean, it, it's been the case for a year. I mean, he he he's he's been he's been tweeting how mad he is about Jeff Sessions for a year, and why is he mad at Jeff Sessions? He's been very explicit. It's because Jeff Sessions has not protected him from Mueller in the way that he has hoped. Now he has fired Jeff Sessions, and the person he has picked to replace Jeff Sessions is this Joker Matt Whitaker, whose uh essential claim to fame is that he's been a a, a, a cable news talking head uh staple for the past past year talking about how the, the Mueller investigation needs to be reined in and needs to be, uh, you know, sort of starved of its funding and all of these things. And so, and so, you know, and president Trump has explicitly asked this last Friday, he's like, uh, by, by a, a CNN reporter, not Acosta, but a different CNN reporter who basically said, you know, uh, this is who this Matt Whitaker guy is. So are you, are you hoping he's going to rein in the, the, uh, the, the Mueller investigation and president Trump, you know if, as Senate leadership have insisted, President Trump doesn't actually intend to rein in the Mueller investigation, and this is all just sort of like some big coincidence. Seems like that would be would have been a pretty good time for him to say, "Oh, actually, I'm glad you asked. No, I, I want to let the Mueller investigation proceed." Uh, but what uh, he obviously said, of course, was, "What a stupid question! That's such a I stupid." Know. So, I mean, know. Like, it's, it's not a
0: stupid question. Yeah, I mean, obviously.
1: it's 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 just it's just. I mean, you hear Mitch McConnell or 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 Senator Thune or any of these people basically say, "Well, you know, it would be really dumb of President Trump to try to rein in the Mueller investigation," and so I don't think he will. But but I mean, there's just no other than, you know, your your inability to conceive of President Trump doing anything dumb. There is no other reason to believe that that this isn't going to lead to some
0: kind of confrontation. No, I, I agree with you, and I, I also think this this does make uh, Jeff Flake look uh, look strong, or at least to the time being, which I, which I don't think he has up up and, up until now. Um, this also comes, and I think we mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. And I'm really because I'm fascinated by this this uh, this group of uh, conservative and libertarian lawyers who got together with this organization, you know, the check and uh, checks and balances, uh, and this includes. Uh, People are fascinated by this because I am, you know, George Conway, the husband of uh, Kellyanne Conway, but also some real heavyweights. And they roll this out um, as the Federalist Society is is meeting in Washington today. And it's interesting because, you know, people have been saying, you know, well, when are, you know, when are people on the right and Republicans going to push back on this? This is this is a heavyweight group. Uh, John Bellinger, former top advisor for the State Department and National Security Council under under President Bush, too, said, look, there's a deep seated concern and uneasiness in conservative legal circles with the president's attacks on our institutions, including the press and the Department of Justice, and a belief that conservative lawyers are not speaking up enough. And so. You know, as as the Federalist Society is, you know, gathering, I'm guessing, to spike the football, um, this, you know, is going to, you know, stimulate discussion among people who have real credibility about, uh, you know, what is our stand on on the rule of law and the attack on institutions? Because up until now, you know, the, the debate has been totally focused on just the judges. It's like, this is what we do. We nominate and we confirm conservative judges, which is incredibly important. But now people are saying, all right, you know, but are we willing to then look the other way and stay silent when it comes to these attacks on these democratic norms? And I think that implicit in all of this is the recognition that a lot of these democratic norms are much more fragile and thin than we often take for granted and that that some of the institutional damage could be long lasting. So uh, I'm glad the flake is taking the position he is. And I think that he deserves a little bit of support for for standing on principle. And I also think this conservative legal group is really uh, worth uh, worth uh, watching. Um, David, you, you and I were talking right before we began the podcast about uh, reading the, the tea leaves on the 2018 election, which is uh, incredibly complicated uh, because there are so many different, uh, you know, apparently sort of contradictory uh, lessons to be drawn from this. Uh, I, I thought the Chris Deaton's analysis up on the Weekly Standard page was very interesting, and I, I won't I won't repeat it all, but but basically pointing out how much this election advanced our tribalism. That it used to be that the parties could win away games, in other words, that uh, Republicans could win in Democratic strongholds and Democrats could win in Republican strongholds, but that is just no longer the case. This red and blue divide. Is getting more and more intense, and so here's the question I want to ask you, and, and maybe it's jumping ahead a little bit. The the because I've seen analyses on both sides looking at the way this map is shaping up. Which party should be more worried about 2020, the Republicans or the Democrats? And I'm talking about uh, translating the midterm elections. And I know that this is not an you know it's a straight line. It's not apples and oranges. But translating the midterm elections into electoral college, the electoral college uh, state of play.
2: Yeah, so I have kind of an unpopular hot take on this one, which is basically Good. neither. Um, I what? a lot of people are. It's not a
1: hot it, take. It, 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 <laughs> it,
2: it, it is. It is. Let me. Let
0: me. Let me. That's, like you a, know, that's like a tepid take. Right?
2: I mean. Maybe it's uh, I. I kind of feel like it's a hot take because it is overwhelmingly <laughs> cold. It kind of comes back the full circle, you know. Right, anyway, right, right. point is, point is, is that a lot of people have been using these twenty eighteen results to basically say uh, Trump is doomed. It's over for the Republicans, you know, so on and so forth. you, you see. Uh, recession for in, in Republican margins in some of the rural areas. You uh, don't see any Republican gains in sort of the suburbs. You kind of have uh, Republican losses in that two-front war. Um, and my general take on this is that if you look at the data, what happens in a midterm is not really predictive of what happens in the next election in right. terms of outcome. Um, you know, and I, I'm certain that if we took a time machine back eight years ago, everyone, uh, we could, you know, listen to and read everyone saying that president Obama was doomed because of the 2010 elections. And we could, you know, go back, uh, to 94 with Clinton. We could go back to 82 with Reagan. Um, and you can, you know, try to make predictions based off the midterm elections, but usually it doesn't work. What I would say is interesting is that you In a lot of these house races in these suburban districts you did see a move left that uh that piece of the conventional wisdom was true and the the interesting thing about that is that it wasn't a foregone conclusion that that would happen about a year and a half or maybe a year and like eight ten months ago uh someone could reasonably you know theorize oh you know trump's president now and suburbanites didn't like him but if the economy stays good, and if he passes conventionally Republican policies, both of which I I think are true in a number of cases, um, in terms of the tax bill at least, and in terms of attempting to repeal the Affordable Care Act, in terms of the Supreme Court justices. But if he kind of pushes that stuff, and the economy stays good, then these you know Romneyish suburbanites
1: will come back.
0: And, uh, and it depends, so far, it depends happen- a lot on yeah, it depends uh, of course a lot on what the Democrats do. So Andrew, uh, you yeah. you have a ho- you have a hotter take than this.
1: Uh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I've sworn off uh, electoral prediction for the next uh, six months or so. I need to, it's I need a, to recharge before. No. I, but I, 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 uh, I, I respect David. I respect your take. I, uh, I, I take issue <laughs> with the notion that it's particularly hot. But, uh, but we, I think we could do it. All do with a little bit of cooling down. So I think that's a <laughs> fine. Movie.
0: Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm just fascinated that. what, what, what is going to be happening. I mean, with the you know with with the upper midwest and I've talked about this uh, Pennsylvania um Ohio Michigan Wisconsin and here's an issue that I have just not heard people address and and it used to be obvious one of the reasons democrats stopped talking about gun control and the gun issue after about 2000 was because they realized that the gun issue would kill them in rural Michigan Wisconsin Minnesota Ohio and Pennsylvania they understood this And it was, in fact, a a correct assumption. The big difference uh, more recently in the Obama years and particularly in 2016 was you had Democrats breaking with that consensus and becoming very, very, um, you know, outspoken on the gun issue. Now, there's lots of objective reasons. I'm just giving a political analysis here. Why, in fact, you you should have common sense gun legislation. I'm in favor of all of that, but uh, Hillary took the most aggressive position that I can recall a Democrat taking for many, many, many years. Basically, you know, implying that she would appoint Supreme Court justices that would overturn Heller, and then lo and behold, um, she gets wiped out in these uh, in these rural states. And uh, and people are noticing that, in fact, these, you know, these red rural areas are becoming even redder, you know, in, in Wisconsin. I mean, Scott Walker actually did better in rural Wisconsin than he did the last time. So I don't know how the Democrats are going to finesse this. Their base, of course, is absolutely convinced that they have to go, you know, on the gun issue and keep pounding on the gun issue. Maybe it's just simply too late. But I just don't see how they're going to solve that problem. Now, of course, you you did have, you have had Democratic candidates that have figured out how to do this in certain areas, including in uh, in 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 Pennsylvania. But uh, this is going to be a long term. This is going to be a long term uh, problem. Uh, the uh, and I want to get to uh, the Facebook. What we've learned about for Facebook, and also um, talk about an undercovered story. I think. Well, maybe not, but what's what we've learned about North Korea in the last week, which I at least want to mention before we do anything else. But uh, the, weekly standard, the Daily Standard podcast today is brought to you by ExpressVPN with all the recent news about online security breaches. It is hard not to worry about where your data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You are being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, your mobile or internet provider, I don't know, WikiLeaks. Uh, not only can they record your browsing history, they often sell it to other corporations who want to profit from your uh, your information. So that's why I decided to take back my privacy by using ExpressVPN VPN. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of my computer, my phone, and my tablet. And turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. It works this way. It secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. And this costs less than $7 a month. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you ever use public Wi-Fi, which you do, and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is the solution. And if you don't want to hand over your online history to your internet provider or data resellers, ExpressVPN is the answer. So you can start today to protect your online activity. You can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash standard. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash standard for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash standard to learn more. And, and by the way, I honestly, I, I use it all the time. I wouldn't, like right now on the computer, I'm talking to you. I would not have this conversation without it being on. Okay, so um, Andrew, let's talk about Facebook what we've learned about facebook took some just extraordinary reporting about how facebook uh, handles uh, the the controversy and some of the some of the stuff that it pulled
1: yeah so the 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 basic story here is that um, as we know facebook's been sort of in the doghouse with a lot of people especially on the left um for well it's been in the doghouse on the left and on the right for basically two different reasons. Everybody's found a reason to hate Facebook over the last couple of years. People on the right hate Facebook because they've sort of bought into these notions that Facebook's unduly silencing or targeting conservatives, a lot of which I think is overblown, but that's the narrative. Um, and people on the left hate Facebook because they pretty much think that Facebook handed Donald Trump the 2016 election, which, again, is also totally overblown. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it was the fact that they, they Facebook was aware that they were sort of uh, the, the, the target of sort of Russian... Uh, disinformation ops leading up to the 2016 election and we're not super forthcoming with that information. We're not super, uh, you know, transparent about that sort of thing. And so we come to find out uh, in, the, in the past couple of days, uh, I believe it was a, a, a New York Times story, although I don't 100% remember that uh, off the top of my head. So apologies if I got that wrong. Um, but basically a story that 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 was getting into the details of how Facebook, um tried to navigate this, uh, all this bad publicity over the past year or so, which they did, uh, as you know, you would expect a large sort of corporation to do. They did by sort of trying to, uh, you know, make the press for themselves as good as possible, and also try to dig up some dirt on their competitors to try to Jeez. sort of shift some of the blame off of them. Um, and and the thing that a lot of people are 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 mad about is that they they hired specifically one uh, Republican Oppo research for, uh, firm called uh, I believe Definers uh, that that mm. uh, helped them to to you know come up with some some stuff to sort of like. Feed out there to sort of just, just just essentially to try to get some of the spotlight off of off of themselves, um, and I, I, just personally the 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 way I'm reacting to this story is that you know, as always, you shouldn't be surprised to find out that a major corporation was behaving ruthlessly to try to maximize their own profits. That's what they do. Um, it, it's it, it's. It's kind of funny when when it turns out it's a it's a company like Facebook or you know one of these tech companies or whatever that have these sort of uh, woke posturing uh, aspirations to to sort of being be doing good in the world uh, when you know again come to find out they're just sort of uh, you know going after that dollar or whatever. But I mean, like you know, can can, can you can you blame a corporation for for trying <sighs> yeah. to you know do right by by itself? And I, I mean, I don't know um, whether you can. I mean, it's it, yeah. and, and, uh, just if I can say one other thing, I mean. Yeah that that obviously is sort of like the the market oriented stance the other danger and difficulty is that we have sort of handed over an enormous amount of sort of cultural power to, to Facebook and comparable institutions that that act reminder, as sort of de facto yes. gatekeepers yeah. for like all online discourse. So in that sense, obviously a little more concerning, uh, which is what we're
0: well. On yeah, today. I mean, if 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 in fact they they were to make the Death Star operational, um, you know, right. it would, it, it, would <laughs> it would make all of this pale by comparison. But it is interesting that it is Facebook. It's sort of like reading the, you know Starbucks had hired Oppo Research or you yeah, know, exactly whole whole. whole foods you know had contracted with Roger Stone
1: or right <laughs> or,
0: or, or something like that um I, I feel like i'm a couple of days late talking about this uh, the what we're learning about uh, north korea you know we of course are constantly being distracted by you know the, the latest story you know who who the first lady is mad about you know who it's mad at and in the white house et cetera but you know over the last several days what we've learned about the failure of, of the the president's north korea policy is 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 kind of breathtaking in a lot of ways and uh, weekly standard had an editorial that uh, president trump's handling of north korea has been among the two or three bitterest foreign policy disappointments of the administration's first 2 years and what we're learning now about the non agreement at the at at the summit is is breathtaking in in, in several ways that that not only is uh, are are the, are the norks not denuclearizing, but apparently they are expanding expanding um, their, their capability because uh, Trump did not get or bother to get uh, or could not get uh, any sort of a, of a missile freeze. But what was really interesting about the New York Times deep dive into this when they basically determined that they were expanding their uh, their, their capabilities was was when the reporters went to people in the federal government and the intelligence agencies, and I'm going to simplify this grossly, and they, they acknowledge that, well, yeah, we know about this. I mean, we have all the satellites and we know about these, what is it, 16 additional sites or whatever they are. Um, but we're not going to actually say anything about it because essentially, you know, the president has, uh, has, has, declared, has declared victory. And this is an indication of his uh, awesome negotiating abilities. So in other words, the, the North Koreans are not fooling us. We are fooling ourselves that we're in this position where we not only have failed to contain this, but the administration is actively committed to not uh, putting more pressure, I mean, to, you know, not blowing the whistle. And as a result, North Korea is continuing to expand this capability while the president is saying, yeah, nothing to worry about here, nothing to be alarmed about,
1: yeah, and I mean, what you know what what can you say about this? that, that I, hasn't been said, right? I mean, it's, it's it, the, we, we we've known. For forever, I mean, going into the first uh, summit between President Trump and Kim Jong-un, we knew uh, and we know now that that, uh, you know, Korea has always played fast and loose with these sort of promises about de-escalation. They... The fact that they have started to use the phrase "complete denuclearization of the peninsula" doesn't mean much when they are also committing to continue to build more nuclear weapons. I mean, it's just complete cognitive dissonance. But the fact that you know they're using that phrase has been sort of hyped as a as a victory by by a Trump world, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and 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 yeah, and none of the material circumstances have changed. Other, I mean. It, it, to the point where unless you are of the belief that President Trump just due to, you know, his own uh, peerless deal making ability is incapable of not coming out ahead at the negotiating table. There's no real reason well. to believe that that Korea would give up. North Korea would give up that kind of power.
0: Yeah. then this is dangerous stuff. OK, so, David, one one last question. Um, we, we still have some congressional seats out. How how many how many House seats are still in play? Is it is. um
2: yeah, when I checked yesterday, it was nine that still nine. hadn't been counted.
0: Yeah, um, Mia Love, uh, the president dunked on her, uh, conservative Republican African American woman, uh, actually a Haitian American woman, right? Um, it was uh, looked like she had lost, and and now there's there's some there's some sense that perhaps she might be able to pull this out.
2: Yeah, so we're still seeing kind of the final vote count trickle trickle in. We're still seeing you know things from here and there. Uh, the her district, some. How'd I say it? If you're looking at the precinct by precinct, uh, pattern, sometimes it's a a little patchworky and it's, it's not always immediately easy to tell, uh, who's going to come out ahead by, you know, looking at what still is remaining and all that. But the, my, my guess is that she ends up sort of, uh, winning it pretty narrowly. I, Mm. I don't know that for a fact, but you know, it's, it's, Possible. And I could be wrong with that. Uh, Who knows? Um, I've been wrong on stuff before, but hey, we all have join that club. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, but (laughs) that would be particularly interesting since the president of the United States went out of his way to celebrate the defeat of a pro-life conservative because she had not embraced him. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I just still think that this is a it, it, it's worth highlighting this for you know people who believe that all politics is binary and that we need to swallow all kinds of things. you know, and the 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 glee that uh, President Trump took in basically saying, I got no love from from her while she was basically fighting for her political life. Uh, That would be a very, very interesting um, outcome. Gentlemen, thank you for uh, joining me. I appreciate it very, very much. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow and we will do this all over again.